Hello, and welcome to the Trade Deadline special edition of the Ball Things Considered BTC pod. My name is Michael Castello. And I am Sean Bush, and we are, uh, we're very excited to, to jump into this. Uh, yeah, let's not waste any time. The trade deadline passed some 20 minutes ago, and deals are still trickling in, so as we know more things, we'll report you guys more things. Uh, Sean, you've got the itinerary in front of you? Uh, yeah, I think we're gonna just kind of go through mostly the big trades and then um, kind of run through some of the smaller ones after that. We were thinking about starting with the Orlando Magic, uh, because they made several kind of big trades and um, really has kind of the most different looking team after this deadline that really went all in on the tank. Um, so we could, we could start with any of these. You want to start with the, uh, the Vucevic trade? Yeah, that was the biggest deal probably of the day. Definitely the best player to get traded today. So to summarize it to start, the Bulls get Nikola Vucevic and Al Farouk Amini from the Magic. They send Orlando... Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter, and two first-round picks in 2021-2023. Both are top three protected, which basically means unprotected. Uh, I love this deal for the Bulls. Mm-hmm. I think it's underrated. This definitely makes them a playoff team, and I think it's underrated to be a win-now team outside of the championship. Like The Bulls have not made the playoffs in four years, the last year that they made the playoffs was the year they had Rajon Rondo and Dwayne Wade. So it's been total turnover since then. Zach Levine has ascended to, like, instead of a volume scorer, a legit star and a great player. So they don't want to wait any longer. And I think that's really smart. Uh, definitely. And t- to your point, um, you know, I think people have kind of fallen in love with the, uh, with the tanking strategy of getting better. And, I, and- um, I don't disagree with tank strategy. You know, I think I can think like what Oklahoma City Thunder are doing and the Magic are doing is smart. But at the same time, um, we've seen plenty of teams um, become kind of true contenders out of just staying relevant. I mean, we saw with the Raptors uh, and the Bulls are adding Vucevic, I think makes them officially good and relevant enough to um, to kind of be a player and at least be interest, interesting to some of these other teams, especially if they if this core can... Um, you know, overperform a little bit. Um, and with the Chicago draw, uh, I know they haven't really brought in it, brought in anyone big in like a very long time. Um, but, and not to like, you know, go all Knicks with it, but if they're good enough, you know, Chicago, people want to play in Chicago. It's, a, it's yeah. a basketball hub. It's one of the best cities to live in, in the country. So um, I really like it. Uh, the two first round picks give me a little bit of pause. Um, but, uh, I think they might be good enough where it might not matter that much. And I'm, I do think that first rounders are in a way starting to get a, a little overvalued by kind of the average fan. Yeah, I agree. I think what you said about staying relevant is a great way. Like another team that did that was Utah. They hit on the Donovan Mitchell pick and instantly they're making the playoffs every year. Mitchell's yeah. never missed the playoffs. And you're right that those picks won't matter too much. They're going to be the playoff teams. And Chicago is a desirable place, like you said. I have full faith in Billy Donovan. I think he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame, considering his coach of the years in the NBA, two NCAA championships, making it to the finals. This is now the third team that he's going to bring to the playoffs. And also in new GM, Arturis Karnasovas. Like, this represents a turning of the tide for Chicago. We saw that with Brooklyn and L.A. the past couple of years. Is the D'Angelo Russell Nets made the playoffs. And the Tobias Harris, no, not Tobias Harris, Lou Williams and Pat Beverly Clippers made the playoffs, gave Golden State a bit of a series. And then what do they do in the next free agencies? They get Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. And they do that with bigger teams in the same city as them. Mm -hmm. Chicago doesn't have anybody to compete with, but teams see this as somebody that's ready to add an additional star to their ecosystem. And it's so much easier to add than change. So. This is the start of a new era for the Bulls, and it starts with them making the playoffs right away, I think is a really safe thing to say. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, quickly, before we move on to like the Magic side of things, uh, how do you see Vucevic fitting in with the Bulls? Do you think, um, like one thing that comes to mind specifically for me, was that they were shopping Laurie around a little bit. They didn't trade him. 
which you know makes me wonder if they think they're going to keep him. Do you think like Markkinen and Vucevic could be a good fit next to each other, or is that going to be too slow of a front court to kind of hold up over time? Well, the Bulls already don't play defense, and mm-hmm. the defense <laughs> is going to get worse with this. Like Kobe White, no defense. Zach Levine, no defense. Lowry, no defense. Vucevic, no defense. Just Patrick Williams, I guess, is going to cover for all five of them. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it's smart, unless you're ready to win the finals and you have to be top 10 on both sides of the ball, it's smart and easier to lean into your strength more. Yeah. Like, you're a pretty damn good offense and you're already a terrible defense. Take that next step. Add one of the best offensive centers alive and become a great offense because it can win you more games like Brooklyn's doing. Brooklyn's offense might be so good that it can get them a title. They're like the exception that proves the rule. Mm-hmm. But they're not trying to swing for Rudy Gobert and then suddenly level on both sides. You know what you're good at, and you're going to play that way, and that's how you're going to win games. And when your offense is this good, you dare teams to stop it. Uh, I, I love the fit between him and Levine. Uh, the other thing I'd say, uh, last thing I'll say, kind of in favor of the Bulls on this, is... Um, for people that are wary of giving up the first round picks and, and, you know, maybe think they're not good enough to like, you know, try to make a move to get better. Um, I feel like they were in kind of a tough spot where the bulls couldn't bottom out if they wanted to, they're not great, but you, the amount of pretty good young players they have, like to start over would not really make any sense. And it would just be weird. I mean, you'd have to move off Lori, then Levine, then, you know, obviously you already moved off Carter. Yeah. You'd, you would have had to move off him, and then you would have had to move off Kobe, um, or maybe just keep, like, one or two of those guys. Uh, and uh, this makes a lot of sense for me. But uh, to, to the Magic side, um, I really liked it for the Magic, too. I think Wendell Carter, I still have faith in him. He hasn't had, you know, he's had a rough start to his Bulls career, but I wonder if he's just a guy who needs a, a change of scenery. I think he's shown enough flashes, unlike, you know, his – his new teammate, Mo Bamba, who's kind of been, uh, hasn't really shown anything. At least Carter's kind of showed some stuff here and there, and maybe in the right situation with a little more focus on him specifically, um, that he could kind of break out and be a good player. Yeah, the Bulls two years ago, Carter's rookie year, was I think a 21-win team. They were pretty bad, and he didn't play that much. Mm-hmm. But when he did, I think there were 43 games total, he was the best player on that team. And yep. even if you're the 30th team, which they weren't, they were just like near it. The best player on an NBA team is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. And the injury concerns are very real. I'm not buying on him ever becoming a quality starter. But if he becomes a quality starter, he'll probably become a borderline star. Mm-hmm. So that's huge to swing on, especially, I hate to say it, the Obama pick was probably a miss at this point. Yeah. The writing is on the wall that if they're trading for him, Obama's probably gone at least until the offseason, and then the roster clears up or he moves on to a new team, which will be great for him. And they're embracing the tank, yeah. I think. Two first-round picks, you talked about with the Bulls, is you can't bottom out. So for the Bulls, it's worth it to go from the 11th pick to the 17th pick, and suddenly you have a two-time All-Star and you're making the playoffs and getting better through meaningful games. But for the Magic, you want every single pick possible. Yeah. The next three drafts all have the potential to be historic. And they're doing that. They're flipping their best players that are bad ages for all the potential in the world. Yeah. And, I mean, they're on the fast track to be the worst team in the league for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, I'm, I don't have the standings pulled up. I know they're, like, already bottom three. I can't remember where they rank between, like, them and Minnesota. They're fourth. They are one and a half games behind Houston and one and a half games ahead of Washington. Okay. Um, yeah, so... Uh, this could be really interesting, and they're a franchise I would love to see win the lottery and get Kate. I think it'd be really fun there. Um, the last thing I would touch on, just really quick on this, is uh, Otto Porter, I think, will be a name to watch for getting bought out. I wouldn't be surprised if Orlando just lets him go because um, mm-hmm. he's not particularly young and like doesn't really help them with what they're trying to do. Um, so he'd be a good name to watch. He's, uh, was you know, I thought better with the Wizards. I think some of his injuries may have sapped his athleticism a little bit. Um, but he's a guy I wouldn't be surprised if he just got put into a winning situation could remind us that he's a good player, even though he yeah. had he was kind a, of a rough stretch. He Chicago. was a third overall pick. He could do what 
Trevor Ariza did for the seventeen eighteen Rockets. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's move on to. We'll wait on Victor Oladipo. Yeah. A little bit. Make sure that nothing else is coming out. You want to do the uh, the other big after the deadline? So we'll move on to the Aaron Gordon trade. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. While we're staying with the Magic. So to summarize that trade, the Nuggets get Aaron Gordon, the Magic get Gary Harris, R.J. Hampton, and a first round pick. Do you know, is the first-round pick, it's the Nuggets pick, right? Not another team. I'm 90% sure. Okay. And so that... And I think it's, it's... I think it's... Actually, I think it is, and I, I think I saw it's down the line. It's like a 2025 or something. Okay. Um, it's like way off, which actually might be smart, you know? It might be smart to play the long game with the Nuggets. Yeah, uh, no idea where they'll be. Yeah, who knows what they're going to be. We In... know they're going to be good for the next few years, but... Yeah, you know their pick this year is 23rd, and that's not that great even though stuff sooner is more valuable than now or valuable than later um i love this trade for the nuggets i I I didn't dislike it for the magic necessarily but i i thought it was a home run for the nuggets uh i think aaron gordon is going to be awesome in denver playing off of uh Jokic. i think a bit uh he's very kind of can come in right away play that jeremy grant role that they've been missing um and uh, you know, to that Jeremy Grant role, the same, you know, same token, they needed a guy who they could throw at LeBron, Kawhi, and, and those kind of guys in the playoffs. And Aaron Gordon isn't, you know, Jonathan Isaac or Kawhi Leonard or any of those guys, but he's a he's a good defender. And he's athletic and he's strong and um he's got the size that could at least slightly bother some of those guys, which I thought was their biggest glaring hole going into the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. The biggest reason that they hit that magic in the bubble to make it to the Western Conference Finals was the injury of Will Barton opened the door for the emergence of Jeremy Grant. And Grant right now is obviously better than Aaron Gordon, but that doesn't matter because that wasn't the Grant that they were playing with. Mm -hmm. So he's going to be better than the Grant of the bubble. And the second biggest loss they had was Mason Plumlee. And he defends the rim better than Grant did. And they didn't really replace Plumlee at all. They drafted Zeke Naji in the draft, but He's too far away. Same with Bull Bull. This is his second year, but he's still too far away. Aaron Gordon can play small ball center and not have it be that small. Yeah. It's not like when Jeff Green or Jay Crowder play center for the Nets and the Suns. Aaron Gordon adds a little bit of secondary rim protection, which when your best player is Jokic, he's going to be playing 40 minutes in the playoffs, and he's not a great rim protector. That's huge to have. And like you said, we know who they're going to see in the Western Conference playoffs. Uh, do you, do you think this significantly raises their ceiling? Like, do you yes. think, I, I, I kind of think so too. I think the Western conference was the Lakers, then the Clippers, then the Nuggets and the Jazz. I think this puts the Nuggets closer to the Clippers than it does the Jazz. Oh, interesting. And, okay. And we saw that the Nuggets straight up beat the Clippers last year. Yeah. Clippers are tons better. Throw away everything from that series. If they match up again. Yeah. But Denver is on paper better than last year. I don't know. Yeah, I would say so. At least very Consider- similar. Considering Jokic is better, Murray is going to be the probably same. That's a lot to expect, but there's no reason for him to be worse when he's 23 years old. Yeah, that's hard to say. Just because yeah. he was so insane in the playoffs. But-, but Gordon is better than Grant and... Plumlee wasn't great in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty similar, and they're more experienced. Yeah. So, Which is a, yeah. definitely a big deal, and they have a lot of continuity still, I think I think, helps I think this changes the West because they could knock off one of the big teams. Um, we could maybe not again see Lakers-Clippers if something happens. We could see the Jazz and the Nuggets in the conference finals. On the Magic end of it, uh, Gary Harris is kind of whatever for me, but he... I still think he can be a pretty good player. He's had a couple down years for he's him. He's like a Fournier replacement, another Nuggets shooting guard. And he, he seems like, from all accounts, like a, like a good guy. And he seems like yeah. he could be, you know, um, it reminds me of when the Mavs signed Barnes and they just kind of needed like a stopgap. Like, he's one of our better players. We know he's a bad best player, but he will like do things the right way and help the young guys. Um, and then you get RJ Hampton, another first. Uh, and that's big. And it, it's funny to me that I think sometimes people, once 
first round picks become players, like people get less excited about them. But like mm-hmm. RJ Hampton was just first round pick, and obviously he yeah. hasn't done a lot this year because he was on a contender. Um, but he's uh, been coming around. There's a yeah. There's a lot there. Um, he's already he's, better than he was at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, and he could. And I kind of like this magic strategy of you've got Fultz, you've got Cole Anthony, a couple guys um, with some injury issues, but still have a you know some some potential and then you throw RJ Hampton in that mix and maybe it's a little bit of insurance. Um, and then Gary Harris too, where you can just kind of bet on two or three of those four guys being good long-term and um, you can kind of pick who you want to build around. Yeah. Gary Harris is good because he's not like George Hill or Al Horford for Oklahoma city, but he's a little bit younger Yeah, and you can't do all young guys. Yeah. That like the Thunder are doing so well because of their mix. Like they had Chris Paul and Gallinari yes last year. Like Gary Harris is an awesome player to do that, I think. Maybe better than Fournier. I'm biased because he plays defense, but no young player really is good at defense and they all need to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh you wanna uh move on to this last magic trade and kind of wrap up the magic? Yeah. So the Celtics get Evan Fournier. The Magic get two second-round picks. So to, to recap, the Magic today traded Vucevic, Alfred Okaminu, Aaron Gordon, and Evan Fournier. And re- in return, they got Wendell Carter, Otto Porter, Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, uh, three firsts, and two seconds. It's um, a good day. That's a good day. That's a great day so for Magic Plus, fans. like you said earlier, they're improving their own pick. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and you've got guys, uh, I think you might have mentioned this earlier, Mike, I know we were talking about it earlier. You know, you've got guys on the pine that are, that are going to be coming back that, uh, you know, obviously there's always risk when people are coming back from injury, especially a lot of these guys have been injury prone. But Isaac is a great prospect if he's even close to what he was. Yeah, I think, I think John Isaac can be a top 15 player in the NBA. And, and a defensive player of the year. I felt that way before his last injury. I thought I was high, Jonathan Isaac. That's hot. But dude, he came, I agree, he can be dude, defensive if player he, of the year. Like, defensive player of the year raises your ceiling to me so much that if he wins defensive player of the year and puts up 20 points a night, yeah. like, that's a top 15 player. Like, Jimmy Butler has no defensive player of the year awards. I don't know if he'll ever be that good. That's a lot to say, too. But he's got a higher ceiling defensively than Jimmy Butler which could make up for him not being a playmaker. But yeah, I love that man so much. Markel Fultz, former first overall pick. Cole Anthony, Wendell Carter, Chumo Keke, RJ Hampton, and all these picks. I was going to say Mo Bamba, but... Yeah, T- pro- TBD. Probably not. Um, yeah. Bamba, yeah. But that's an incredible core. I tweeted that I think that's probably a top five young core, considering assets and whatnot. They should have all of their own picks, too, yeah. which we know they're going to be bad this year and next which are high picks in historic draft classes. I'm super high on the Magic's future. I think it's hard not to be. And they're going to be fun in the meantime with all those guys. Yeah, they should be a, a fun, terrible team. Yeah, that's, I, all you, like. that's all you can ask you can for ask from for. the tank is that you can still watch them play. And on the other side of things, for that last trade, the Celtics got Ed Fournier, which uh, I think we both agree is no small trade. I could totally yeah. see this getting overlooked. I think a lot of people don't. Realize that Evan Fournier is a good player because he's been stuck in the Magic forever. Yeah, um, I think he signed a five eighty five deal, but uh, he's going to be great for the Celtics. He doesn't really, uh, well, I mean, he's a pretty good playmaker. Uh, I mean, he 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 can pass for a shooting guard. You know, he creates a little bit. Uh, that's kind of what the Celtics needed. Um, he's really more of like he's an excellent shooter. Um, he he really pours the ball a lot. Uh, he was averaging 19.7 points a game this year. Um, and the Celtics just badly needed that. So I don't know if this necessarily raises their ceiling for me. I don't think it's enough for me to put them in like the upper tier of the East just with the struggles they've had. Yeah. Uh, but it definitely makes me feel much safer about them getting out of the first round and maybe uh, making things difficult for like a Brooklyn or whoever they or Milwaukee or whoever they run into in the East when uh, the playoff series start getting pretty good. Yeah, like you said, is he's not a star piece, but he reminds me of Joe Harris in Brooklyn. Like they'd be so much different without him. And 
you need a supplementary scorer. You need a non-star scorer because it's going to be so obvious and typical for teams to lock down on Tatum and Brown and then Kemba, who I think is getting better every game too, that you need to win with the other guys, and especially with a depthless team. They need more other guys. Uh, What trades next? I would say... The other team that had a Orlando Magic-like kind of day would be the Raptors, so maybe we should kind of move on to them. We can start with their big trade of the day. Um, they traded Norman Powell, um, who is an excellent, not young player, not old player. You know what Powell's age is off the top of your head, like 27, 28? That was, those were my two guesses. I'll um, pull it up. But they traded Norman Powell to the Trailblazers for Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. Um, I thought this was kind of a weird trade to me, um, which is funny because I thought I was going to be thrilled with whoever got Powell, and he is very good. Yeah. Um, I don't think that it was really what the Blazers needed, though. Um, I would have preferred them, um, even if they couldn't have gotten Aaron Gordon for like a Gary Trent, Rodney Hood, maybe putting in some more chips and trying to beat out yeah. Denver's offer. They were, they were in the final names for Aaron Gordon. Yeah, and I think that would have made a lot more sense. Powell, my issue with Powell to the Blazers is, is okay, he's a great player. You can fill it up, um, but he's a two. And you have, uh, you already have Damon CJ there, and I just don't know how much he adds that you don't already have i mean it's always good to add another great player and he is better than gary trent i just wonder if it would have been smarter to hold on to gary trent and rodney hood and and deal him another day or or bring him back you know i i don't know what their contract situations are uh, but like resign them and and trade them another time i I just felt like gary trent was a pretty good chip and even though norman powell's probably about one of the better players you get for him i just would have preferred something that made more sense in the context of their team. Yeah, I agree. Norman Powell is 6'3", which is not tall in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he's a pure two. And he's not a great defender. And he's a worse defender than Gary Trent, who's yeah. pretty good. Um, but at the same time, I see three guards, we all do, more than ever. But I see them working more than ever. Yeah, I have talked myself into this trade every minute that it's happened. Um, I see him in an Eric Gordon type of role in Houston's backcourt, whether it was Russ and Harden or Chris Paul and Harden. And that's no joke. Like Eric Gordon really moved the needle for them a lot. Mm -hmm. And he's a better defender than Powell, but Powell right now is probably a better scorer than the age of Gordon that we saw on those teams. He's putting up shade under 20 points, 19.6, on 50, 44, 87 shooting. (laughs) And he's only turning it over 1.8 times. And he's playing 30 minutes even, so he might end up playing more minutes per game and cranking those numbers up a tiny bit. But, yeah, when you have Damon CJ, you don't need him to play make, which is yeah. offensively Powell's biggest weakness by far. He's not just a shooter. His three-point percentage is fourth, I think, Yeah, among players with qualified attempts. So, like I said about the Bulls, I'd be hypocritical to not say it here, is offense is what they do in Portland. They score and they shoot, Yeah, and you lean into what you're good at because now one player is going to fix your defense, I guess. Yeah. And I see why they did it. I don't know if it'll make them perform better in the playoff. Yeah. I don't think he wins a series that they otherwise would have lost for them, but the playoffs are still a little bit away. Somebody could get hurt or other things could change. Nurkic is going to come back soon, and Nurkic was incredible in the bubble. He made me think that he was like a top seven center. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's more frustrating with Portland than Chicago because they've been doing this for five plus years already. But yeah. and, and to your point, like, you know, it, it's a little reminiscent of the Fournier trade to me where yeah, it, it's a good definitely. player. And Powell's better than Fournier is, um, is why he costs more. But uh, like you said, like, I think it's a good addition. He's a really good player. I just wonder if it's going to be enough to actually do anything. But on the bright side, you know, yes, you are losing Gary Trent, but you didn't have to give up any pick. So it's not mm-hmm. like it's really killing you long-term. You, you should have flexibility going forward. Um, obviously, they already sent out two picks to get Covington, so they would have had to throw in another first year that would have really 
hamstrung yeah. them for a while. Um, fr- from the Raptors side of it, uh, I love Gary Trent Jr. Um, I think he could be a really good player. I think he could be as good as Norm Powell someday or better. Um, but that's uh, with potential, you know, you, you bet on the guy that's already good um, yeah. or already better. Um, so, he's not that much younger, I don't think. Yeah, I think he, he played a few years in college, I think. He, he's uh, uh, yeah. still pretty young, though, like 23, maybe. Trent is 22. I was wrong a little okay. bit. And Powell just turned 27. So, yeah, Trent could still get better, but I think he's close to a ceiling, I guess. But you're right. I was wrong that he's not old. So that was kind of the Raptors' big trade of the day. And then they made kind of two nothing trades that um, when you look at them all through together, you can kind of see an outline of, of where they're going. They, they traded tra- uh, Terrence Davis um, to the Kings for a second-round pick, and then they traded Matt Thomas to the Jazz for a second-round pick. Um, so you can kind of see the writing on the wall. I think they're going to reset a little bit. You've got Van Vliet. You've got uh, Siakam. You've got OG. Uh, and then now you've got Gary Trent. And uh, I think they're thinking, let's try to bottom out a little bit this year. You know, maybe get yeah. a top 10 pick, at least a lottery pick. Um, and we can kind of build from there. And with Masai, assuming he resigns there and stays in Toronto, um, I'm just going to trust whatever that guy's doing. So, yeah. Uh, I think that's, and it's probably the right call. I think they saw the writing on the wall. Um, but the big news with the Raptors, I would say, is what they didn't do. Yeah, what they didn't do, which was, uh, which doesn't line up with what we were talking about, but uh, they did not trade Kyle Lowry, which it seemed like all the talk was he was one of the guys that was for sure going to get traded. Uh, Michael, why do you think they decided to hold on to Lowry? And, do you think that it might come back to bite him, or do you think that uh, it might end up being like a pretty good move? The news all day was that Lowry's going to be the best player traded, and if he was traded, he would have been. Mm-hmm. And the news around Lowry has all been teams not being willing to give up what it takes. They said Miami was not going to give up Tyler Hero. The Lakers' sticking point, as funny as it was, was Taylor Horton Tucker, which... I won't understand, but there's no need to rant for 50 minutes. And Philadelphia was not willing to give up a package of Tyrese Maxey, two first-round picks, and was it Matisse? Bible? Yeah. Is that the fourth thing? Yeah, Matisse. So their prices ended up being too high, and I think they'll be all right, even though he's an expiring. I think he's Mr. Raptor, like yeah. probably more so than DeMar DeRozan, considering he's got the ring and everything. So I think definitely he'll be in a sign and trade. I think that makes come a lot of free sense. agency, and I think they'll be able to get a similar package for him. Yeah, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Masai's betting on this was a very active trade deadline. Um, the free agency class is pretty weak. He's going to probably be the best available free agent that I can think of. Maybe not uh-huh. the highest value just because of his age, but pure talent. Like off the top yeah. of my head, it's probably him. Um, so yeah, he's probably just betting on someone will get desperate, especially considering the reason people were hesitant to like pay the price Mm -hmm. was because he's an expiring, he's a rental. When he's a sign in trade, you're getting him for three years, right? Whatever it is, two years and an option instead of 40 games. And then you see, so I think a team trading for him will have more security and you'll be able to get exactly the deal you want without working against a time deadline that says you can only negotiate for so many hours. I think the return might end up being better. I'm not worried if I'm Toronto. Yeah. And you get to properly say goodbye to your dude a little bit more now. Yeah, kind of give him a send-off for the rest of the year. Yeah, and you're totally in control of what happens, and he's in control a little bit still. And they're sneakily the seventh best odds Yeah. for the first overall pick. And they're worse now, so they could get better. I don't see Cleveland suddenly getting good or Orlando or Houston or Detroit or Minnesota or really Washington, but Washington's the only chance of a team that's going to get better than them. But that's a lot. There's six or seven blue chip guys, and then it drops off in this draft. So if your pick is sixth or seventh, you're virtually guaranteed. Yeah. 
because somebody's going to pass at some point for fit or trade down. I would say definitely five. Like, I, I think there's, like, a clear top five. And then yeah. there's, you know, like you said, probably, like, two or three guys that there's always going to be guys outside the clear tier that people fall in love with that yeah. might end up being better than, the, you know, that top tier. Yeah, because uh, you draft for position and timeline and everything. So, yeah, I'm very excited for Toronto. I'm, okay, I, I'm saying, uh, I'm thinking we transition from the team that didn't trade Lowry to the team that didn't trade for Lowry, um, who I think was the favorite, and I would say it's Miami Heat, mm-hmm. um, who kind of sneakily, especially because they snuck in their deals right at the end, had what I thought was an excellent trade deadline. Yeah. Um, you want me to summarize it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they made a couple deals. First, they made a deal with the Sacramento Kings. They traded Mo Harkless and Carlos Silva, and in return they got Nemanja Bielica from the Kings. And that deal was fine. Like, he's a fringe guy, great shooter, terrible defender. Mm-hmm. But then they traded for Victor Oladipo, of course, giving up Avery Bradley, Kelly Olynyk, and a pick swap. Mm-hmm. And that makes the Bielitsa deal make sense because Olenek's gone. They need a replacement. Very similar players, the sharpshooting fours. Obviously, is a little bit worse, but the role is what's important to fill. And Oladipo is so much better than Bradley or anybody else they had. And then the Spurs bought out LaMarcus Aldridge, and he is expected to finalize a deal very soon with the Heat. But that's not a foregone conclusion yet. But still, adding Oladipo is huge for them. Yeah, I actually, um, I, I'm pretty high on Bielisa. Uh I actually, maybe this is a hot take. It's probably, these two players are too irrelevant for it to be a hot take. The lukewarm take. I, I think he's better than Olenek, personally. I, I think uh, part of the reason he didn't play as much with the Kings and he didn't get as much run this year is they have a kind of a weird front court situation. Rashawn Holmes is great and deserves minutes, and then they've got to find ways to play Bagley, and I think Bielisa is probably better than Bagley at this point, but um, you've got to you know invest in your younger you guys. You are scorchingly high, uh, Bielisa. I think he's a better shooter than Olenek, but other than that, he's a below-average rebounder for his height and one of the worst defenders in the league. But I would take Olenek not because he's a defensive dog, but because he's less of a turnstile mixed with better rebounding and playmaking. See, that's, that's where I think you're wrong. The, the thing with Bielisa that I think is what separates him is he's one of the better playmaking big. You think he's that league. good? Yeah, he's a really good passer. Okay, he I'll, can, I'll like, defer to you. He can, I like, know I'll win solid at it. Um, he can, like, run stuff, and it's, it's, uh, it, it'll be interesting. He's, he's, a, he's a weird player, but yeah, I, I he's, think... He's somebody who's going to get recognized and finally get his due. Yeah. Because he's going to be playing some serious playoffs. I'm just interested. I'm, I'm curious to see. To me, he strikes me as a guy that, like, has just been on bad teams his whole career. And, like, now that he can just be a guy that spots up and, like, doesn't, isn't asked to do anything, um, I could see him being pretty good. Yeah, he could do Duncan Robinson's role. But anyway, Probably a tiny bit worse shooter, but yeah. That's a lot. Of yeah, that's a lot of people to talk. Uh, is the big thing here. Awesome. He's, yeah. The, the trade, not that Oladipo was going to cost much because the Rockets were kind of hamstrung there, but they still got him for pennies on the dollar, in my opinion. Yeah, um, for real. That's huge for them. They could really use another kind of playmaking guy to just um, who can create his own shot to take a little bit of pressure off jimmy um and he plays defense and he plays avery, avery bradley plays defense and handles the ball but oladipo is so much better than bradley and bradley was hardly playing it also gives you that half year tryout um with the heat being one of the teams that was you know favorite to land uh lowry it kind of gives you a few months to say see you know do we want to roll with oladipo and bring him back or is it not a perfect fit? And now we got that chance to figure that out, and we'll put our bag, our eggs in the Kyle Lowry basket this summer, and just let Oladipo walk. Yeah, um, this is such a little cost that you're not obligated to resign him at all. Exactly, like he really doesn't have the leverage of trading for a different expiring. And this, to me, does raise the ceiling for the Heat significantly. Oh yeah, um, I was out on them this year as a legit threat to make the finals, even with 
their success last year, and I, I know they've been playing great since they've kind of bounced back from um, COVID and injuries. Um, but now I'm back in. I, I thought that the East at the top had gotten better. I just didn't trust them to get past Milwaukee, this version of Milwaukee or Brooklyn. Um, now I wouldn't like bet on them to make it out of the East, yeah. but I think that they're firmly in that group. I would put them firmly above Philly for me at this point. I think it was kind of a toss-up for me beforehand. Um, Oladipo raises that a lot. And obviously there's a world where Oladipo isn't great. You know, he wasn't great with, with Houston. Um, and if not, that's fine. Um, he's still not going to be actively bad. Um, yeah. And he's, at, at the very least, a extremely good depth piece you can add. If not, um, potentially, you know, a third star to add to, to Jimmy and Bam. Yeah. I don't think he'll ever reach the all-NBA Pacers form yeah. again. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, at the very least, he's going to teach Tyler Hero a hell of a lot. Yeah. They're really similar players. and. They needed scoring. They needed playmaking because they don't run a point guard. Like, Goran Dragic runs point, but he doesn't really facilitate yeah. the way of almost any assists type of point guard. So, Old is an underrated playmaker, and that's one more guy that takes the load off. And, like I already said about his defense, I like him a lot, even with the caveat that he's not the same player. All right, uh, I would say there's... To me, about like two more meaningful trades um, that went down. Uh, let's, let's stick in the East then. Yeah, the first one I was thinking, are you thinking uh, Lou Will? I was thinking the Sixers because we were just talking about them. Oh, oh, yeah. I actually I blanked out on that one. Uh, I would say three, the George Hill trade. Okay. Um, yeah, they... Uh, I'll run that one down and then we'll tear into it because I thought it was pretty weird. It's a, it is a weird trade. So the 76ers get George Hill from the Thunder and Ignis Brasdikis from the Knicks. The Thunder get Tony Bradley from Philly, Austin Rivers from the Knicks, and two second-round picks. The Knicks get Terrence Ferguson. Both the second-round picks to Oklahoma City are from Philly. I love it for the Thunder. Let's, I guess, get that out of the way because it'll be shorter. They get two picks for a guy that was both on a not-great deal for them, considering they don't really want to pay anybody when they suck. Yeah. And the fact that they got him for free in the Drew Holiday, Steven Adams, through team trade. Now they get two second-round picks in Tony Bradley, and Tony Bradley has shown that he at least belongs in the NBA, even if it's as a backup. Yeah. And even if he's nothing, it's worth, I mean, you gave up George Hill. So it's like, here's something that could be something versus someone we know. And Austin Rivers. Not going to use. Really does everything for you that George Hill did. Coach is Yeah, exactly. Just like being a point guard who's not a rookie or a sophomore. Like, you're going to lose games. It's fine. Uh, I guess the real question is, does this do anything for you if you're a Sixers fan? Does George Hill excite you? Um, yes, but it's weird to give up that much. Yeah. And it's especially weird because the report said that despite this trade happening early, like maybe 11 a.m., the three hours before the deadline, they were still in on Kyle Lowry. Yeah. So it just leaves a weird taste in your mouth of disappointment or consolation prize. But George Hill is really good. He's been playing the best basketball of his career. Granite's in low state. I agree. He's good, um, and I do think it makes them better. They could use another ball handler. T- to me, part of the reason it was weird was while they could use another playmaker um, and George Hill helps them, I just wonder, is he worth trading those second-round picks for and then not? like At a certain point, I'm like, well, isn't it worth just maybe playing Tyrese Maxey more and just hoping it's better? Um, yeah. I-, I don't know. Um, George Hill obviously helps them more than Max. He would in the playoffs. He's been there. He's done that. Uh, like you said, he's been playing very well the last few years. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, you know, I, I'm just a little, I'm a little disappointed with what the Sixers did, considering um, from all accounts, it seems like they had an opportunity of both Harden and Lowry and kind of passed. Yeah. And I think either of them would have, um, would have made me think really hard about their, their title chance whereas like right now i i feel like they're just on the outside looking at they're a, a tear down they remind me of like 
Um, if you were to compare them in the West, like a Dallas or a Portland. Um, Ooh, I'm I'm way higher than that. I think they're on the same tier, probably as Miami. Both those teams are ahead of Boston. So, like, you got Brooklyn and Milwaukee is kind of like LA and LA. So for the West, I would say they're more like Denver or Utah. I mean, so comparatively, yes, I meant more in terms of like literally like, like, how like I I don't think that they're much better than Portland or Dallas. I I still disagree. I think, but they're the only team that I think should have traded for Kyle Lowry this season. Like, if you're the Lakers or the Clippers or the Heat or the all other mentioned suitors, you can wait for the sign and trade and get the security and all of that. Yeah, I think if you're Philly, you want to play like right now this year. There's your path's not going to be easier next season. Yeah. Like, you are going to have a harder time. You're going to have to get more better next year. And you don't know if this is really who Embiid is. This is him capitalizing on all his potential all season. Mm -hmm. But it's also contradistinct from every other thing we've seen in his career. Yeah. I don't know that he's suddenly going to be a 70-75 game-a-year player ever again. This could be a flash of the So when you've got MVP Embiid, and Simmons is still Simmons, which is a slight injury concern too. This feels like a special year for Philly, and I would have pushed my chips in the middle. That that's kind of what I was getting at. Like my big issue with Philly is, and obviously they're kind of addressing this with George Hill, but like I still have no faith in playoff Ben Simmons, at least offensively. Mm-hmm. And I just like if you're if you're in a close game. Who are you giving the ball to? I know Embiid's been like pretty good in the clutch this year. Um, he's made some big shots, and he's shown he can do that a little bit. Um, but it's still, I think, as a just a center that's that big, it's very difficult unless you're kind of like a freak, like Jokic, yeah, just well. like freaky clutch for whatever reason. But yeah, um, it's so hard to like win a game down the stretch, and I just think they have no one who they can give the ball to to go win them a game. And like the Bucks kind of have this problem, but they have three guys that would all be better than who the who the 76ers have, or at least I would trust yeah. more to like give the ball to. Because um, when you score on the inside, you score from the insides. It's way easier to get double and triple team. Yeah, and that's when you're a perimeter scorer, the level that Kyle Lowry is, and scoring is not even his best skill. When you're a perimeter scorer that that's good, like you can still get one on one matchup. Exactly, and I just think he would have been perfect for them and. With him being from there, you would have at least feel pretty secure, I would think, that if we make the trade. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to me, I do think even though Embiid and Simmons are still uh, like very young, uh, kind of like you said, I think their window's now. I, I, I think they're good enough. Like, now. They're good enough if they made one more big move. Um, but until it happens, I, I just don't buy them. And this George Hill move seemed to band aid. I wish they would. Yeah, I think they overpaid for the band aid. Yeah, yeah, I agree too. Like it felt like they were hedging, and that costed them two second round picks. Doesn't seem like a lot. Maybe we never see either of those players, but that's two second round picks you can't swing with later. Yeah, like two second round picks could tip the scales on a Kyle Lowry offer if some other team has more to give now, or a different player down the line that will help you win. All right, let's transition to uh, the Lou Will trade. So on this one, uh, the Hawks got Lou Williams and two second-round picks, and the Clippers got Rajon Rondo. And uh, I don't know what to say. I'm baffled. Okay, (laughs) I've been processing it a lot, and not unlike the Norm Powell trade, I think I get it more considering the teams, but I still hate it. Yeah. I still think I, it's an overpay. I can buy a lot. Understand, like, squinting my eyes and, like, turn my head. I can see what the Clippers were thinking. Like, we need a point guard. We need someone to run the offense. Everyone's saying that forever. Um, you know, P.S., maybe just do that offseason. Everyone said that after the year. And yeah. you had a lot of money. And you, you signed Luke Kennard. Instead. Luke Kennard, yeah. Like, sign a point guard. Not that hard. Could have just signed Rondo. Um, so I get that aspect of it. Um, I get that, yes, I understand Rondo's terrible on bad teams, and the Hawks are bad. He's been good on good teams. He's been great in the playoffs. He was excellent, unquestionably, with the Lakers. You know, 
Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, that's just that's literally what they're like trading for. Box, and he's been atrocious this year. Um, and he's another year older. Um, yeah, he's older than Lou Williams. Lou Lou Will has been you know worse this year, um, and he's starting to decline. But he's just so far and away clearly the better player to me. Plus, um, is kind of I mean he's got to be their longest tenured Clipper, right? I mean, he's oh yeah, he's probably, by far, right? I mean, like he's probably in their top five of franchise points. Um, so he like. I, I just I wonder what that's going to do to the locker room. Maybe guys won't care, you know, because it's all newer guys and he's kind of the old guard. Um, so I would have been shocked with the Rondo for Lou Will trade straight up. I was expecting stuff to come out, like the Hawks getting stuff. Then when I saw the Hawks got two second round picks for Clippers, that's where I'm just. Which, which way did the cash considerations go? To the Hawks also. Jeez. Um, so they got two <laughs> two seconds and cash. Salt in the wound, yeah. Uh, it's It's just. Weird to me. Um, right. I think the Clippers got worse. I'll um, make a case in defense of it because you summarized how shitty it is. <laughs> like, the Clippers are snake-bitten, rightfully so, that not having a point guard eliminated them in the second round last year to a team that they are better than in Denver, as much as I love Denver. Like, on paper and actually, the Clippers should have been in the conference finals. And Reggie Jackson sucks. They still have Reggie Jackson. They kept him around, but they know that he sucks. He shouldn't really be playing that much. Yeah. And I guess they saw enough playoff Rondo over the past 5, 10, 15 years that they think he gets them over the hump. And I can see that because they need point guards so much more than scoring that Lou Williams kind of becomes expendable. But they're playing so well right now that I wouldn't have screwed with it. Yeah, that's the other thing. Is It's like they're, I know that they... I agree they need a point guard, but they have the best offense in the league. You know, it's like... Yeah. Um, so Lou Williams is only averaging 12 points a game. Like I said Rondo's older, but Lou Williams has hit the cliff harder. Yeah. Rondo's game, I guess, ages better, but Lou Williams is also really good in the playoffs. Uh, from the Hawks' perspective, this is awesome. Oh, I agree. They need offense without Trey on the floor. That's their biggest problem by so much. We talk about how... Their offense with Trey is top five. Their offense without Trey is worse than 30th. Yeah. So the greatest sixth man active, the second greatest sixth man ever, that's pretty cool. And he's been a better playmaker over the past five years of his career. Plus, I, I believe he's from Atlanta originally, so that's yeah. kind of yeah. cool. No, he's fresh out of high school, and he's played for the Hawks before. Um, so, so that's big. I, the last thing I'll leave you with on this one is, like, if you just step back and think about the trade we were literally just talking about, if the Clippers traded two second-round picks and a meaningless player that wasn't Lou Williams or George Hill, which would have been the exact same offer that uh, that you know uh, Oklahoma the, City, the, the 76ers, yeah, just offered to get him, that would have been awesome. You could have kept Lou Will. I think George Hill is better than Rajon Rondo. I mean, I guess I see the argument for like playoff Rondo, but George Hill is more dependable to me, um, and that would have fixed everything for a lower cost, in my opinion. Um, I, yeah, you know, I, I think that would have been perfect. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I could look stupid because yeah, obviously we, we keep, we've mentioned a million times, but you really cannot discount Rondo plays in the playoffs and he's a, he's a genius. Uh, like, no, like he was terrible the year that the Lakers missed the playoffs. Yeah. He was awful. Lakers fans didn't want him back. They were happy when he was missing games. And then down the stretch, he's... Or even uh, the Bulls. He was a terrible regular season player for the Bulls. And then and was almost, great in that one playoff. And he almost upset the Celtics yeah. as a lower seed before he got hurt. So, yeah. I mean, I think he set the Pelicans' assist record his one year in the playoffs that year, which was the only time a six seed has ever swept a three seed through holiday clamp dame. But, I mean, that's getting to a different story. Playoff Rondo, I mean, I hope we see you again. But I don't know. Um, what's next? We could do the the Mavs trade, but I'm still not sure the full details have tripled out on All it. Right. So maybe we'll. Oh no, here it is. All right. So the the Mavs traded for um, JJ Redick and uh, Nicola Melli, and they sent out James Johnson, who's a uh, 50 million 
dollar expiring. Wes Windu, who's uh, just a real low contract guy and a second round pick. So it was basically um, uh, the uh, Pelicans are just taking a couple nobodies so they get a second round pick and the Mavs get Reddick. Um, which I really like for the Mavs as a Mavs fan. Um, we, I think it's been pretty well documented this year that our three-point shooting as a team, just in general, is kind of falling off a cliff. It's bounced back over time, um, but it still hasn't been um, as good. And, and it's you know been clear that they've missed Seth Curry. So Reddick started the year very cold from three, but he's kind of bounced back. Uh, Michael, I know you looked that up earlier. Do you remember off the top of your head? First 16 games, J.J. Reddick shot 29.8% three. And the previous 15 games, he's shot 46.4%. Yeah, so... So those 31 games are his whole season. Pretty night and day. Um, Melly is probably nothing to Dallas. Um, he's a stretch for, like, in theory, but I think he's been shooting horribly, um, if I remember correctly. Something like 20% for three. So if you're stretch four... He's shooting 20% for three. He's probably not going to play. Um, but he's an expiring. So um, there's really not much to talk about on the Pelicans end besides them getting the second-round pick, which is good for them because Reddick was doing nothing for them. Uh, but uh, I think Reddick will really make a big impact on the Mavs. Uh, playing off Luka, I think, will be very good for him. Uh, you know, kind of similar to Corver's last couple years with Milwaukee. He, you know, I think that's my maybe what Mavs fans could expect out of Reddick in Dallas. Um, and it gives them, you know, they lose James Johnson, who I think was considered kind of the locker room leader of that team as a veteran, which hurts. But uh, hopefully Reddick can kind of step in and uh, fill that with all his playoff experience and with how long he's played in the league. Yeah, Reddick has to lead lead the Mavs in career playoff games, right? Oh yeah, and probably be their oldest player by far. We the yeah. Mavs have very few guys with like any legitimate playoff experience. Yeah. So while he's not an enforcer like James Johnson, like you said, the locker room and the leadership and the experience, still gonna all be huge. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's probably it on that one. That was uh, yeah, because that's more, that's almost a one team. Yeah, that's kind of a one. That's like a signing. Um, do, we can. We can touch on the DeLon Wright trade if you want. Um, let's do the Bulls-Celtics-Wizards deal. Uh, which one was that again? The Bulls get Daniel Tice and Troy Brown oh, Jr. Yeah. Celtics get Mo Wagner. And the Wizards get Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson. So this was originally a two-team deal. And then the Celtics portion that included basically they traded Tice for Mo Wagner. Came out a little bit after the deadline passed. Um... Really good for the Bulls. Troy Brown Jr. is somebody who is a six foot five wing turned point guard because he's so much better with the ball in his hands and facilitating. But this past year, he'd gotten Scott Brooks' doghouse and just never played. He was their first round pick two years ago, the year before Rui, and he's younger than Rui. He was maybe the youngest player in his class. Yeah. So he's a solid defender. That's like he's got the highest upside of anybody in this deal. And the Bulls get Tice, who's a better backup to Vucevic. Yeah. And we know who Tice is. We saw him in the playoffs. Great defender. He's in theory a stretch five, but he's not really that great of a shooter. But the fact that you pull it can keep a defense slightly honest. Mm-hmm. Um, Mo Wagner for the Celtics. The fact that they would trade Tice for him tells me that. They're also leaning into a different play style. Well, Wagner's a way better perimeter defender. I won't say way better, because Tice is a great defender, but he defends the perimeter better, which is the incentive to trade for him. He draws charges, he's an energy guy, and he's probably a little bit better interior scorer. So it makes me think that they want to be more switchable and play a little bit faster, which goes hand-in-hand with the Fournier acquisition. Yeah. So I think the Celtics definitely got better at this deadline. And... The Wizards get Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson. Hutchinson hasn't really played COVID and personal reasons. Daniel Gafford, the Wizards have the worst centers in the league right now, Robin Lopez and Alex Len. Mm-hmm. So until Thomas Bryant gets back, maybe Gafford has upside. So I get the deal for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, 
I agree with you. I kind of thought it was like a win for all three. Obviously, it's not like sexy straight. I, yeah. I agree with pretty much everything you said. I think Troy Brown is probably the best prospect in the deal. So I guess that makes me like it the least for the Wizards. But I actually do really like Daniel Gafford and think he can be a, a, a really good player. Yeah. I don't really have any feel on Chandler Hutchison or if he's going to like do anything ever. Yeah. But um, from what he's I've seen with Gafford. Just an upside play. Gafford's yeah. another guy where uh, I can't remember who we were talking about uh, earlier. Oh, Bielisa. Uh, but Gafford's a guy where like uh, he's been in kind of a tough situation with Chicago where I think he's a really good prospect and has been very good. But between having to figure out giving minutes to Lori and Wendell Carter, he maybe hasn't gotten the run. Plus Thad Young. And Thad Young, awesome. yeah. Well, that's, well, that's another, another thing with the Bulls that is worth mentioning is the fact that Thad Young was getting offers for first-round picks and the Bulls kept them anyways. Yeah. It was, I mean, obviously they're not first-first. They're like 26 to 30. Yeah. Like from teams like Brooklyn. Or like really good seconds, you know, or yeah. something like that. So Thad Young is staying with the Bulls. He's a perfect complement. To Vucevic, by the way, yeah, like that's Vucevic a great, and that's Gordon, a great call. Vucevic and Gordon were pretty awesome and well fit front court. Thad Young's worse than Gordon, but a better fit because he play makes better and he plays more traditional big man defense, which obviously you're not getting from your center in Vucevic. So yeah, this is a big win for the Bulls. I think Ice is awesome. All right, let's uh, very quickly touch on this. Kings, Pistons trade. Um, okay. The Kings got the lawn right. Uh, this was the first trade, right? Because this happened yesterday. This was probably around 11 p.m. yesterday. Um, besides, uh, we haven't been discussing the P.J. Tucker deal, uh, but I feel like that's been out long enough that we don't need to go over yeah. that. Um, but yes. Yeah, DeLon Wright played for the Mavs, so you take the torch here. Okay. Uh, the Kings got the lawn right. Um, the Pistons got Corey Joseph, two-second-round pick. Uh, I, I'm kind of torn on this one. Um, I like DeLon Wright, and I think that's a pretty fair value for him. He didn't have the best year in Dallas, but I, I think me and most Mavs fans could pretty much see that he's a good player that just didn't fit Rick Carlisle's system very well. Um, and I do think he will fit with the Kings. The weird thing for me is, like, how much better does he make the Kings? I don't know. Um, plus, you have... It's not like you were needing a guard um i mean you've got fox you've got albert and you've got healed which that's another one that's kind of surprising to me that you know didn't get moved but i guess they're clearly he barely came up so they must have wanted to keep yeah they're clearly must be trying to win especially with this right move uh it makes them better it makes them more interesting i i just think i probably would have held on to two seconds just with the situation they're in Um, those are top 40 picks if they're both sacramentos yeah which that's too much are. to me. Um, but uh, but they do get better. So I mean, if you're a Kings fan, um, Delon Wright's a fun player. He's a great guy um, by all accounts. Uh, I enjoyed his time in Dallas. Uh, good defender. Uh, he's good. I think he'll fit better with Sacramento, kind of like he did with Detroit, uh, because he needs kind of more of a free free flowing. Um, kind of offense that's less structured, and I, I think that'll be fine with him playing off Bert, uh, Hal Burton and playing off uh, Fox here and there. Um, but yeah, besides that, nothing really. Pistons, I like it for you know, you lose DeLon yeah. Wright, who cares? You get two second round picks, he wasn't in the long term plans. Yeah, um, you get those two top 40 ish picks. And Killian Hayes is coming back this week, so you probably want to awesome. clear some minutes for him, especially DSJ has been playing pretty well for them, so. I think it makes sense to just kind of clear it out, clear it out, give all the minutes to Hayes and DSJ and, and live with the growing pains there. Uh, um, are we ready for a little bit rapid fire? Or are there any? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, JaVale McGee. I think JaVale McGee's, and I think that's like it, right? Uh, yeah. Did we miss any other trades? Yeah. I don't think so. JaVale McGee to the Denver Nuggets. The Cavaliers get Isaiah Hardenstein and two future protected second round picks. JaVale McGee was like the classic flip yeah. that we'd see all the time. The Cavs got him for nothing on a one-year deal. Now they get assets for him. They'd never plan to retain him. So, I mean, that's an A-plus for the Cavs. Those are kind of a decent amount of assets. I don't know the protections on the pick yet. Yeah. But you got your center of the future in Jared Allen, so 
why not move on and get what you can? Definitely. And for Denver, like we talked about Aaron Gordon's value and Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee both leaving. JaVale McGee gives them a legit, reliable backup center. Yeah. Like he went from shacked in a fool his first time in Denver to he's won three rings in four years. Yeah. He's one of the most dependable centers in the league, especially in a backup role. And and this this makes more sense to me. Like like McGee is not as good as uh as Delon Wright and obviously and obviously they're way different players. They play completely opposite positions. And the second rounds, like you said, are lightly protected with whatever those protections come out. Um but this is a team where like the Nuggets, even if JaVel McGee does nothing for them, this is fine to me. Like yeah. it's fine like you're you're really good. Get some depth. Um, add a rim roller, you know, another dynamic to your team. Yeah, because it's chess moves in the playoffs, um, so you're basically putting another crayon in the crayon yeah, box. Yeah, it gives you basically the, it, like you said, and, and it gives you someone that is so different from Jokic that allows you to just have another guy match up with whoever you're playing, whether it's like the Lakers, you got to match up with Anthony Davis or whatever. Um, so I really like it for the Nuggets. I really like what the Nuggets did. Um, yeah, I, I agree. They, I don't think they overpaid, and they got a lot better yeah. for what they did pay. So I guess that brings me to my next question. Uh, do you have a big winner and big loser of Shade Line? Um, the Nuggets and Bulls have to be winners. Yeah, I think the Nuggets, relative to like their return on investment, they brought in more than they spent, but the Bulls improved more in a vacuum yeah so i think those two definitely celtics were winners i mean did anybody really lose i didn't think any i mean the only besides the clippers which we'll see yeah that was the only trade where i was like this is straight up bad um, i thought and even was, then I, I see the upside there you know? yeah i thought it was weird that gary trent and rodney hood were the choices for the raptors mm-hmm. but i mean gary trent being 22 that beat somebody's 27 in a vacuum yeah, and they're so good um, with player development. Yeah. I think... I trust them to... The Rockets lose, but that's a little bit different. Yeah. Like, Victor Oladipo was the best player that they got for James Harden, and they got pennies for him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good like, point. That If you want to go back to the Harden trade now and replace Oladipo in that package with Bradley Olenek and one more pick swap, that deal looks a lot worse. So I'll call the Rockets losers, but I mean maybe they get paid as a consolation prize, which I don't know. Maybe they would have won a couple more with Oladipo. So I guess it's a silver lining. Yeah, to me, I would say like the clear big winners, uh, Nuggets. We've gone over, you know, Adam and Autumn, so we don't need to touch on that anymore. Uh, and then I'd say the other big one for me would be the Heat. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think that was huge. Like you said, uh, Rockets probably the biggest losers. I. Um, it's weird to say Philly to me because I didn't like hate their trade, but I still do think that they were the team to me that should have made a Miami move and, and didn't. Um, yeah. And even if it's Oladipo and you're just outdoing that Miami offer. Yeah, that like um, Oladipo's not as good or as good a fit as Lowry maybe. Yeah. But if that's what he could have been had for. That should have been easy. yeah exactly um and i guess you could say that about a lot of different teams but philly to me is the most obvious one where it's yeah, like they, they you should have done this um uh yeah uh do you want to uh I think, like very briefly before we wrap up talk mention some of these uh buyout guys and if they matter yeah, you got any in front of you besides LaMarcus Aldridge? Uh, I think the only ones I've heard for sure are LaMarcus and Andre Drummond. So I'll, I'll just put it this way. LaMarcus Aldridge is about to get bought out. It looks like the Heat are the front runner. Does that matter is my question. Do you think that he's going to add anything to the Heat? Do you think he's washed? Uh, I think he could add something to some team. I'm not sure the Heat. Yeah, the Heat like, seems weird to me, but I guess if, if you can get him, you take him. You know? They replaced... Olenek with Bielitsa, right? Yeah. They've still got Bam, and that was their playoff rotation. Yeah. Was those, like, they didn't play Myers-Leonard at all, and Aldridge is better than Leonard, so maybe he'll warrant it. But they made it to the finals playing one center and one, like, stretch four. So 
yes, I guess he has another dimension, but I'm not sure if they'll be hurting themselves by trying to incorporate it instead of playing what we already saw work. I think he would help a team like Brooklyn way more, but I love Nick Claxton anyways, and I don't know. Okay, the... Uh, I guess. I think he's a good player. The other big one, who I believe is favored to go to the Lakers at this point, is uh, Andre Drummond. Do you think Andre Drummond does anything for the Lakers? or I think Andre Drummond sucks. I think Andre Drummond's one of the most overrated players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. That being said, maybe. Yeah. Have we ever seen him in the playoffs? Uh, uh, they got swept by the Cavs, yeah, one eight. Yeah, when they had break, when they in Blake Griffin's playoff year with Detroit. Yeah, Drummond's interesting to me because in a reduced role, like maybe yeah, we've never, never seen Drummond like that. I've, Let's see what he can offer. I've uh, like had a ton of Drummond discussions over the last few years because a lot of the Mavs are linked to him, and he's he's definitely severely overrated. I will say that because a lot of people think. It's easy to look at like his rebounding stats, which are objectively amazing. Like he can he's rebound. One of, he might be the best rebounder ever. Um, he's top ten. But he's like, he shoots like forty percent at the rim, which is like yeah. insane for someone his big, that like his size. Uh, I think he would be bad for about every team in the league besides like the two or three teams that have a chance to sign him in a buyout. Is I think my stand. I think yeah. he could help the Lakers. I think he could help the Nets. I think he could have, you know, like a team like the Mavs or the Celtics, he could have helped, um, but probably not worth giving anything up for him. Um, he, like you said, I mean, it's going to be kind of role for him, you know, yeah. like, is he willing to, will you set screens and roll? I, it reminds me of the old Dwight Howard conversation we used to have, you know, yeah. when he was putting up big numbers in Charlotte, but actually sucked and people, you know, would kind of defend him. And it's like, well, he wants to post up 10 times a game, and he can't post up. And he doesn't want to pick and roll. And he won't finish at the rim, you know. And so that'll be big. But I think with the Lakers, I mean, if all it is is a depth guy, and he's playing 15 minutes a game, and all you need to do is grab some rebounds, he'll grab some rebounds. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of it as far as, I, like I said, I, I think there's a good chance Otto Porter gets bought out, and I think that could – Maybe yeah. slightly move the needle for a team. Um, I think he would be a better pickup than. Yeah, whatever. Definitely playoff, Drummond, maybe Aldridge. He's probably like on that Aldridge range for me. Yeah, whatever playoff team is the worst at shooting, definitely pick him up. Uh, but yeah, I think that's it. Uh, crazy deadline. Uh, very fun. Yeah. Uh, not really any huge trades, but I, I feel like it's been. And maybe this is just recency bias, and I don't have a good memory, but I feel like it's been a while since we've had this many trades at the deadline in one yeah. day. It seems like the last couple of years have been a little tamer. And we haven't had a huge one. I think Boogie was probably the last huge yeah. in-season yeah. trade. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, all right, well, I think, uh, I think that wraps it up. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for, for listening, and uh, we'll, we're going to be kind of ramping up our pods and our articles. So. Uh, Give us a check out at uh, ballthingsconsidered.com. Ballthings.com. Uh, ballthings.com. Oops. Uh, uh, ballthingsconsidered yeah. is the name of the site, ballthings.com. Uh, check out our, our Twitter handles. I'm uh, at ballconsidered. Uh, at ballconsidered is the official account. Um, Instagram as well. At SeanBush3, uh, S E A N. And uh, what is your at right now, Michael? At HoopsMichael, H O O P S M I K A L. Beautiful. Uh, y'all have a good day. Go mad. Eh.